0: Hi friends, Erica here, and I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by my friends over at YM Dental Lab. They are offering two free zirconia crowns for all new customers. Check them out at ymdentallaboratory.com for more information. Now, on with the show. You know, does your clearinghouse reflect the same number of outstanding claims. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we create a claim inside of our practice management software and forget to send it. So it's sitting in queue, it's sitting in limbo. And we think we may have submitted it, but what's happening is it has started the time clock or the stopwatch as far as being on your account receivable report. So it's timing up, it's, it's um. what am I trying to say here,
1: Jasmine? Because of the clearinghouse not having that correct information, it's just going to stagger, be staggering on that report. There you go,
0: staggering. So it's staggering
1: on the report
0: and on your insurance insurance outstanding report, insurance AR. But your clearinghouse has no record of it. So you want to make sure that your outstanding claims with your practice management software and your clearinghouse reflect the same number of outstanding claims. If there's a discrepancy, then that's cause to go look for the reason why. So create, again, sometimes we create and not send or the payer ID is incorrect and it's just sitting in limbo somewhere. So just make sure that you are running your formulas, your performance percentages, and make sure that you take care of these key metrics on a monthly basis so that you don't get caught off guard. Now,
1: the follow up on it is super important.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We have softwares like Dental Intel, and I forget which other ones that there are that can somewhat calculate this with accuracy. I like pulling my reports And I like using the formulas manually because I know that these numbers don't lie. And I don't know that they translate the same way when you're using a third party, just these. I mean, for the most part, the information that these companies give you is amazing. And I do recommend having that third party dashboard for your practice. It's definitely helpful. But as far as these formulas,
1: I like to do them myself. So and Erica, can I chime in on absolutely that? the reason I when I was listening to your podcast on the formulas, I think those are very important. And And yes, the information we get from the programs that the softwares that are out there are good, but what information are they pulling from? Sometimes there is not accurate information because certain reports haven't been cleaned up. And when you focus on those formulas based on accurate information, once you clear everything out, you can get what you're really performing at.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's called junk in, junk out. And I'm not saying that the reports are a mess because, you know, somebody intentionally did this. But, you know, we were just talking about this yesterday, Jasmine, how, you know, sometimes there's just turnover. And so many people have worked the AR and everybody comes to the table with their own methodology of how to manage claims. And, and so as a result, we end up with a mess. And so I wanna talk about that mess and let's talk about identifying holes in the boats. If you start to experience surprise balances as a result of poor insurance verification, that is a symptom of something greater going on in the billing department, okay? So you guys know that I am huge about making sure that you set up your billing department or uh, clean it up, but I am a huge fan of setting up or cleaning up a billing department to the extent that I do. I do not rely on the skill set of my biller. I want to tell my biller, whoever that person is, this is how we do billing in our office. And like I was saying in the previous slide. You know, we all of these people that we hire, especially with billers, we're relying on their skill set in order to have a profitable billing department. And unfortunately, this is really top level. Setting up a billing department is top level. And I don't expect somebody who's been doing billing for 10 years to know how to do it. So if you see surprise balances, it is probably because we're not doing a proper insurance verification. Not running reports on a regular basis or ever. Yes, I have spoken to billers who have a 60-page AR, insurance AR report, and I ask, you know, when was the last time you have run the AR? And I've literally been told never. I've never looked at my AR because I know it's a mess and I don't have time to focus on it. So, you know, we need to run our reports on a regular basis. Not setting up global software permissions. This is, again, one that I see often with what we do with Hidden Profits is not setting up the UCR fee to go out on the claim form. So you can set your software up in a way that the UCR fee goes on the claim form and the contracted rate posts to the patient's account so we don't have a huge mess. But I see plenty of offices that don't take the time to set up these global software permissions. And, and that's done you know, before you open the doors, before you know, get that software set up so that we're maximizing on all of those bells and whistles that we pay for with these softwares. Not using the most recent version of the claim form. Friends, I still have offices that have been using 2006, and insurance companies are using that as an excuse to deny or delay your claim. So the most recent version that we have right now is 2019. Please make sure that you are using 2019. That is one of those global software permissions that we want to make sure we have set up right out the gate. Jasmine, you know what I, you, you and I had a whole long conversation. You guys should be like a fly on the wall when her and I are on the phone. I, I Sometimes I'll call her and I'll be like, hey, I just need two minutes. And how long later, Jasmine, am I like,
1: my two minutes it's like 40. One thing leads to another, but it's all really good stuff. And, you know, having you as a sounding board and then you coming to me with questions about an AR and it's just there's so much.
0: Yeah, there's so much stuff. And it's all billing related, guys. Yeah. Like we don't talk about anything else. So um, claims expiring due to timely filing timeframes. Please understand your timely filing timeframes are getting reduced Every year, Uh, we used to have a timely filing timeframe of 12 months. That was the universal understanding. However, the most common timely filing timeframe is six months. So what that means is you have six months to get your claim into the insurance company after that date of service. Or sometimes it also means you only have six months to get that additional x-ray into maybe the requesting information. So they are using their timely filing timeframes to deny, delay, and reject. So make sure that you understand for your top five payers, whoever those insurance companies are for your practice pick up the phone and ask them what your timely filing timeframes are for those plans, just so you have a point of reference. And if you ever get denied for timely filing, and that is incorrect, you have a fighting chance, right? So not using ICD-10 codes. Friends, friends, oh my gosh. I have a whole podcast episode about this. So it's not a requirement for most procedures yet, and I emphasize yet. The American Dental Association has been advocating for dental offices, dentists, to start using ICD-10 diagnosis codes since 2012. And Medicare, Medicaid, government, federally, federal programs are now requiring ICD-10 codes. If you're billing any of those plans as a dentist, you have to put your ICD-10 codes on that claim form. So it's super important that as we evolve with the billing landscape, we understand how to start incorporating ICD-10 codes on our claim forms. Because I just recently had a client who had a filling denied due to a lack of ICD-10 codes. And so you want to make sure that you are placing your ICD-10 codes, even if it's not universally required yet, they will start requiring ICD-10 codes here in the very near future. And I know that some plans are going to start requiring ICD-10 codes for SRPs. Since SRPs are the number one abused code in dentistry, they are going to continue to scrutinize how we appoint that patient. They now want, you know, how long was the appointment length? They want to see a copy of the doctor's clinical notes. They want to know what (laughs) blood type that that was used. Yes. The anesthetic that was used. They want to know everything. And now I guarantee in 2023, we're going to start getting denials uh, because ICD-10 codes are not there. Now they're not, that's not a universally known requirement, but friends get ahead of the, get ahead of it and reach out to your practice management software. Go to the University of YouTube friends and, and look Figure out how to incorporate your ICD-10 codes into your everyday usage. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. If you guys want to learn more about that, let Laura know, and we can talk. We can have more conversations around that. Not running clearinghouse reports on a regular basis. You know, I get it. We're running our practice management software reports. But friends, if you're submitting electronically, you have to run reports through your clearinghouse as well. So make sure... If you are the biller, you are running your clearinghouse reports. And then finally, poor fee schedule management. These are all, and I have a list of like 20 more, but this is where the leaking profit comes from. You know, we're not managing our fee schedules properly. We're throwing every fee schedule under the sun into our software, contracted or not. Like if we're in network or out of network, it's all going into our system. Honestly, friends, like the only fee schedules that should be in your system are the ones that you are in network with. Everybody else should get attached to your UCR fee fee schedule. So, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But, you know, we really want to have clean fee schedule management so that we don't end up leaking profit, attaching the patient to the wrong fee schedule, because there's so many signals in there. I've been in offices, like we remote into uh, different offices daily. And we look at, The fee schedules because part of what we do is identify a client's top five insurance payers and then we go to town on dissecting how they're functioning with that payer. And one of the things that we see is Cigna will have uh, I don't know, 60 Cygnas in there. And, you know, it's crazy because that's that's not good fee schedule management. All right, which reports should you run? When we're talking about account receivable management, You wanna run your monthly production report to calculate your net production. So we just talked about that in a previous slide, but this is something that you need to do on a monthly basis. Uh, Your monthly collections report to calculate collections percentage. We wanna know what did we collect last month? Were we at 95% or greater? your monthly credit balance report to ensure that money is returned to the patient or to the insurance appropriately, right? So we want to also want to make sure that we're running our outstanding insurance claims report, because I want to make sure that I don't have claims sitting in limbo, basically. I mean, I want to know why this claim was on last month's outstanding insurance claims report, and it's still here. Why is it not out? I mean, why is it not closed? Sorry. <laughs> And then Clearinghouse Outstanding Claims Report and compare to your practice management software Outstanding Claims. So again, make sure that you're running the Clearinghouse Outstanding Claims Report and your practice management software Outstanding Claims Report. Friends, this is why we are rockstar billers, right? Because you guys are taking time. For those of you that are on the East Coast, it's 8 p.m. Actually, it's 8.50 p.m. I got to hurry up. Um, So the first step, where is our low hanging fruit? When we're talking about account receivable cleanup, where's our low hanging fruit? We talked about the timely filing timeframes. We want to start with our oldest claims on the outstanding claims report because we don't want to not get paid for any claim that's going to time out. And, and the insurance is going to say, well, you took too long to submit or you took too long to get that x-ray to us, so we're going to go ahead and have you write this off. And by the way, you cannot bill the patient for these services. This is treatment that has been rendered, right? Like you have paid your rent for the month. You paid payroll. you, you know, You did the work. And now you deserve to get paid. But I would hate for a practice to not get paid because we had turnover with the billing position. COVID really affected account receivable reports. A lot of people that had good control lost control after COVID because we just don't have the talent and even the talent that we find is not qualified to manage account receivable reports, which is why we... I believe, and Jasmine firmly believes, that insurance or account receivable cleanup is not solely an in-house job. We believe this is part of a third party's job, and we'll talk about that in a second. And here's why. It's going to require phone calls and follow-up to identify what is needed to get paid, right? So when we're talking about checking patients in, checking them out, making appointments, answering the phones, it's almost impossible to get through two to three accounts throughout the day. So when you're talking about AR cleanup, it's very important that we are have that dedicated time. So step two, that was step one. So I'm going to go back. Step one, find the low-hanging fruit, run your outstanding claims report, and work on the oldest claims in that report. Work on this report first, okay? Step two is to identify any adjustments that need to be made or needed to be made. You're going to identify any uncollectible claims. We want to create a spreadsheet and label the most common reasons for adjustments or write-offs because if you're a third party, uh, yes, Nikki, these reports are being run after the month. So I would say like the first week, if we're in November, I would be working on October's performance right now. That's a great question. Uh, So going back to step two, identify any uncollectible claims you're gonna create that spreadsheet. If you're a third party, then you want to create something to give to your doctor so that you know they can decide ultimately what gets written off and what gets adjusted. It is not our job to just adjust off because that is not our money. And so we wanna create that spreadsheet and give them the most common reasons why an account would need an adjustment or a write-off. And make sure before any adjustments happen, You need to make sure that all the claims for that patient's ledger, if you're in Dentrix or Account, if you're in Open Dental and Eaglesoft, make sure that all the claims have been paid before any adjustments or write-offs are made. One of my pet peeves is when someone shows me that the account receivable report is trending in the right direction. And then when I dig deeper, I see that the only reason our AR numbers are going down favorably, if you just take a look at them, is because they've been adjusting and writing off. That is one of my pet peeves. So really important that we are paying attention to insurance account receivable performance first, and then we can identify and audit what actually what the patient actually owes us. So step three is a hot topic, and we're talking about identifying credit balances, but also we're going to talk about what to do when the, the account ends up with a credit. And this can happen for many different reasons. Every practice management software has its own oddities. These can cause credits in different ways. So not splitting a payment properly, Assigning in a credit to the wrong account, overpayment uh, from insurance due to poor insurance verification. We didn't ask which fee schedule is going to be used to calculate payment for this patient's plan. If we don't ask that, we could get paid by a, com- be sideswiped and paid by a completely different insurance company. So really important that we are staying on top of that. So I want to introduce you to one of my favorite humans, and I trust her with my clients. Uh, we are working together on, on a couple of accounts, and Jasmine has done nothing but wow me with her knowledge of account receivable cleanup. She's an account receivable cleanup specialist. She's been in dentistry for 17 years. She is a dental billing expert, and she is the founder of Ardent Dental Consulting. So I want to introduce you to Jasmine, everyone. And Jasmine, I put this together for you because, as you know, I used to coach hundreds of offices that belonged to a specific group in dentistry. And one of the common themes that would run through our billing conversations would be credit balance management. They were always bewildered by what to do when a patient's account ends up with a credit balance. So I gathered and sourced some of the most common questions I would hear. Which credits can I keep on file? Which credits need to be refunded to the patient? What do I do when I cannot locate the patient? I'm trying to give the patient their money back, I can't find them. And do I need to wait for the insurance company to ask for their money back? Or do I need to send it when we identify that there's an overpayment? So if you don't mind, Jasmine, welcome to I mean, they've already heard you, but I want to welcome you again. Can you address these
1: before we move on? Absolutely. Thank you so much, Erica, for having me on. I am very much honored that you would have that trust in me. But yes, credit balances is a biggie. I don't think we work them enough because it's credits on our books, but we don't really sit down and think about what how they're affecting, are affecting our AR management, our revenue, and how all that plays into the life cycle of our patients. Credit balance, which one's Are you going to keep on file? We're not talking about credit balances that, you know, you have a patient who paid you up front. Those are, you know, we get that often. They're going to come back two to three months or they're waiting for benefits to roll over. We're talking about credit balances that have been on your ledger for more than three years.
0: Wow. That's amazing that offices have credit balances
1: on the books for three years. Yeah, it it happens. The patient and the reason it happens, and of course, this all ties down to the life life cycle of the patient and collecting all that data, but it it happens for numerous things. Like you mentioned, there's no, there's incorrect information. So we need to do a thorough audit on this, pull charts, figure out, have a worksheet and figure out were these charges, is is this misrevenue? Is this actual a credit? Did we forget to post treatment? Did we bill and get paid on a fee schedule that paid us more? And we need to on that credit to the doctor. Mm. So those are all like audits and questions that we need to ask to determine whether we give the patient back the money um, after three years if we haven't made an attempt. There is a process of us having to send this to the state because so, legally, yes. Uh, so
0: do I? Before we, I want to, I want to get into the next slide with you. But do we need to wait for the insurance to ask for their money back or? Should we just
1: send it back? You know, so once we recognize, because we're working our credit balance report, hopefully monthly, once we recognize that that is a legitimate credit owed back to the insurance company, we would then contact the insurance And let them know that we need them to request a refund letter from to us so that we can send them their monies.
0: Nikki has a good question here. She says, do dental insurance, does dental insurance offset overpayments from other from other payments like on medical claims? I think what she's saying is like, if we don't if we don't refund the insurance, will they take it from other payments?
1: Right. They will eventually track yeah. it down. I mean, the insurance company, this is something you talked about at your live event in LA, is they might not catch it now, but right. you best believe when they're look, you know, looking for money, they're going to find it and they're gonna come knocking at your door and asking for it. So yeah. Yes,
0: yes. So Nikki, they do offset that way, but it does take a while. it, it is a process. <laughs> Okay, my friends, that's going to wrap up today's episode on the Dental Billing Podcast. I can't wait until the next episode, and I hope that you join me. Until then, take care.